I'm John Gully, and I'm a true crime audiobook narrator. And I'm true crime author Jeffrey Dean Doty. And we're your hosts for the true crime podcast, Speaking of Crime. We both have been fascinated by crime, criminals, and people who investigate them ever since we were young. And that's been a long time. As a true crime writer, I'm used to asking questions and getting answers. As a narrator, I'm used to talking about crime and discussing cases with authors. You'll be surprised by the cases we cover and by the people we talk to. So we hope you listen every week as we delve deep into the world of crime and talk to the people involved. You can find Speaking of Crime on Podbean, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or almost anywhere you listen to podcasts. Join us for the show So Good It's Criminal. Take my advice and give us a try. You'll thank me later. band for the first time and I don't know what I'm doing. Um, George kind of talks me through it and that was like four days ago. So um, already I and he told me to play with it. He did. He told me to play with it and figure it out and I'm like I don't I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't know. Like I don't know what I'm doing. So um, hopefully this track is good and um, like just pray for me. <laughs> Um, so last week I was talking about how, oh, I'm handling my stress so well, and I'm so proud of myself, and yeah, that all went to hell. That all went straight to hell. Um, it just ended up being more and more and more, and every day, like, each day would pass, and I still wouldn't have an episode research written or recorded, like, nothing was done, and, um... It was just like, work, clients, work, clients, work, clients, work, clients. And it's like, I maybe took like three hours out of the week to try and get some something done. And it w- I came up with nothing. So this episode, I literally threw together in maybe like a day and a half. <laughs> and it was an easy one. It was one I already knew. Um... The thing is, like, hopefully I'm not being called lazy for this, but this is literally, like, the easiest episode I could have done. I've actually already kind of done it. Um, If you listen to um, Talkin' Pop with Fonchise and Biko, I was on their Halloween episode um, about a month and a half ago, and I talked about it with them because we both attended this same school, and I told them about it. But, um... 
I thought I'd do something kind of formal with it and bring it to WTTN and, um, you know, put my spin on it the way that we've been doing the past year. So, yeah, so all the research was done. I just had to pretty much write it and, you know, look for a couple of extra notes here and there. That was it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, with the... This is a crazy time with everything going on. Like, this year has been ass. And, then, um, you know, I took on way too much all at once. And then, um, of course, during that same week, uh, my my mom um, lost a very dear friend of hers. And also a dear friend of my dad's. And it was very unexpected and it was very sad. And, you know we're dealing with that, and then we've got our own family stuff going on, so it's a, it's a lot, and of course it has happened during the holidays, and we, well, me, I guess I, oh god, I don't know, I used to be that person during the holidays where I would celebrate the whole month, and I would, I would wear the sweaters, and bake the cookies, and watch the movies, and listen to music, and I was very annoying, like, I would start listening to Christmas music the day after Thanksgiving. Like, that was that was the kind of person I was. I was that serious about Christmas. And maybe it's adulting, I don't know, but I, all of a sudden, like, I don't have the time or the energy or, I guess, even the, the spirit to do it anymore because I'm just always running around, and I have to do this, and I have to take care of that, and this has to get done, and then I have to go Christmas shopping, and then I have to do this. It, it, it All of a sudden, it's like, it's not, it's just not what it used to be, you know? You, you don't see Christmas, like, the way you did when you were a kid, or when you were young and didn't have responsibilities. So it's kind of, it sucks. It's so depressing. <laughs> um, you know, Christmas is now just the one day and, um, and then it's over super quick. <laughs> um, but yes, I, I hope everyone has a safe holiday and a smart holiday. Please, please, we're still in a pandemic. Um, it's not over just because you're over it. Like, it's still a pandemic. Um, luckily my, luckily our unit, we all just, every Christmas, it's just kind of us. So, we don't have to worry about that. Um, but yes, please be smart. Please be safe. Um, we are going to take a break announcement. We are going to be taking um, a two-week break for the holidays. Also, just mental health-wise, because like I said, it's been a lot on me. And um, I know George can. George doesn't mind taking a break either. And he even told me, he's like, if you're too stressed out and if you're working if you're making this work, making this, like, a job, it's not fun anymore. And I'm like, well, you're right. Let's just take a break. Let's just take a holiday break. And, you know, I was hoping to put out some holiday content, but you know what? It can wait till next year. Don't worry. It's going to be fine. Um, the break is necessary. And we'll be back in a new year and hopefully refreshed. And, um, Yeah. So this story, this story, you guys, um, so I attended this, um, this place, this, uh, this location that I'm about to cover for you guys, 
I attended there from pre-K to, like, seventh grade. So, in, like, nine years. Very long time. Um, there's lots of stories. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's funny because I, I try to, like, get access to the archives a long time ago. And, um they pretty much all but told me to fuck off. Like, I went to the administrative office, and I spoke to the principal, who was my principal when I was attending, and she remembered me, and that was insane. And she was like, well, you, I don't know, go to the rectory. I go to the rectory, and they're like, no, you can't have it. And I'm like, well, okay, I will fuck off then. And now... now I'm covering it, and I still don't have access to those archives. I'm never going to get him. I know I'm never going to get him. <laughs> but I still managed to make the story work. Alright, so let's get into it. It used to be a long-running gag that if you were a kid on the southwest side of Chicago, you likely went to one of the several Catholic schools in the area. I didn't know it then. Just how odd it was that the Archdiocese had so many schools and churches condensed in one area, and that pretty much everyone I knew as a kid was from a completely different environment than, say, a public school kid. It was like our own little bubble. The school and parish my brothers and I attended was St. Charibius. Located at 5646 South Karlov Avenue on the corner of 57th and Karlov in the West Elsdon neighborhood of Chicago, just one mile east of Midway Airport. Fun fact, this is also Jenny McCarthy's alma mater. West Elsdon has always been known as a quiet, conservative, mostly Polish and Irish neighborhood that in recent decades has become a mostly Hispanic area. Brick single-family homes and two flats, the residential streets are oddly peaceful, compared to busy Pulaski Road and Cicero Avenue a few blocks away. Many longtime residents attribute this to the reputation of the schools, St. Tribius and Lord's High School, now John Hancock, which were only two blocks away from each other. I attended this grammar school for nine years, since pre-K. And I recall feeling like there were so many stories untold within its walls, and so much history. Walking around by myself on several occasions, I remember this eerie silence. A type of silence that was loud. It was screaming, buzzing. It was powerful. Now that I'm older, I understand that feeling. It was an energy, a presence. I felt it everywhere. The halls, the library, the church, the chapel, the basement, the cafeteria, the parking lot. It was everywhere. As young students, we always spread rumors of a ghost, of a priest who once served as a pastor, who still roamed the grounds. Turns out, they weren't rumors. sources I used for this story are the book Chicago Street Guide to the Supernatural, written by fellow Southsider, Chicago's most notable paranormal investigator, 
Richard T. Crow, a ChicagoNow.com piece by Peter Bella, and a History of St. Trivia School piece written in 1972 for the 45th anniversary, found on liturgicalcenter.org. The neighborhood now known as West Elston was a small prairie community consisting of only 100 families. Undeveloped and sparsely populated, there was no Catholic parish nearby, and most had to travel farther away to St. Camillus, St. Nicholas, or St. Bruno. It was Reverend Dr. Alexis Gorski who took, quote, special interest in the spiritual welfare of these people. Under his urging and encouragement, the people of West Elsden started a new parish, St. Trivius, named after Trivius of Mogrovejo, who served as Archbishop of Lima from 1579 to his death in 1606. The first appointed pastor was Father Thomas Smykus. The first official Mass took place on July 3, 1929, in the Assembly Hall of Peck School, near 58th and Hamlin. At the end of 1927, Father Smyke was moved to St. Susanna in Harvey, Illinois, while his successor as St. Trivius became St. Francis Kulinski in 1928. Despite the beginning of the Depression in 1929, Kulinski got to work fearlessly on building the first church, which held 300 people, as well as the combination hall and the school, which a part of it served as a convent for the nuns. St. Trivia's school was first established in 1928. The staff consisted of two Felician nuns and 87 students. Sometime later, he acquired a single-family home a block away, which served as the rectory. During his pastorate between the years 1928 and 1934, the families that joined the parish grew from 300 to 750, and the number of students attending the school increased to 168, with two more nuns on the faculty staff. The third pastor to serve the church was Father Joseph Mazanowski. He was appointed by Cardinal Mondelane on September 11, 1934. His pastorate was plagued by economic hardship due to the Depression, However, he, quote, continued tirelessly to provide for the spiritual growth of his ever-growing flock. Father Mazanowski even managed to purchase a home for the nuns who worked at the school. Quite possibly the most reputable and beloved pastor in the school and parish's history was Father Joseph Leckert. Appointed to succeed Father Mazanowski in 1948, his, quote, keen financial ability plus favorable economic situation of the late 40s made it possible for St. Trivia's parish to prosper. Both the church and the school saw the largest growth to date with his leadership. Financially, the parish flourished. The number of families in the congregation increased to 2,750. By 1961, Enrollment in the school was up to 1,300. The neighborhood and parish gained a reputation as examples of what a good Christian community should look and operate like. He was also known for taking many parishioners on retreats and missions. 
With this amount of success, Father Leckert was able to undergo a series of large projects to add to the school and church's structure. A brand new church was built, the one we know it as today, while the old church was remodeled and expanded to 12 classrooms, which became the new school building. In 1956, he added an adjacent building, which became the junior high and the library. It officially opened in 1959. The new rectory was placed within the church via a separate door. The nuns were given a large convent as well as a living headquarters for the priest. Everything was connected in later years via a large parking lot and driveway. As a result of all of his accomplishments, Father Joe Leckert was incredibly prideful of his diligence. He was respected and adored. He was quite powerful as well. Considering during this time, many pastors of their respective churches were in charge of the finances, as well as big decisions and projects or jobs that were high priority, they were almost completely autonomous. There was no bureaucracy, boards, or committees to deal with. If something needed attention, the only firm hand and word came from the pastor. This all changed in 1967 when change came to the Archdiocese of Chicago, now being led by Cardinal John Cody, who was, quote, a centrist with no use for the old ways of strong pastors and semi-autonomous parishes. He soon began to change the financial face of the Catholic Church locally. This meant that the money was now controlled by the Archdiocese, and any financial decision a pastor needed to make required approval from higher-ups. Being ordered to tow these new lines was too much to bear for, quote, pastors who had operated for decades independent of outside control, who had nursed their congregations through financial hard times and national emergencies. This was a bitter pill to swallow. For them, this new corporate behemoth was the antithesis of their faith. As a result, many pastors who either resisted the change or attempted to mediate were forced into early retirement or found themselves named Pastor Emeritus, essentially stripping them of all their power. Such was the case with Father Leckert. He was forced to retire, although some accounts say otherwise, that quote, after 19 years of hard and successful work, Father Leckert retired to enjoy the fruit of his work and continue his priestly ministry among his people without the burden of administrative responsibilities. But this wasn't true, and everyone knew it. While he bowed out gracefully, the last thing he wanted to do was leave his post. Within weeks of his retirement, Father Joseph Leckert died of a heart attack in May of 1968. But throughout his legacy, it is well known that it was a broken heart. He is buried at Resurrection Cemetery in Justice, Illinois. The school and congregation carried on, continuing to operate by the example, standards, and precedents set by Father Leckert. The combination hall beneath the junior high building was named Father Leckert Hall as a tribute to his hard work and passion for the parish. In 2013, after 85 years, St. Trivia's School became part of a series of school closings on the south side by the Archdiocese due to low enrollment. In 2017, 
after much communication between the old faculty and administration in Chicago Public Schools, it was repurposed as a public school named Sor Juana Elementary. St. Trubius Parish is still going strong, still serving a congregation of Polish and Hispanic communities, still holding services in three languages, still a staple in the West Elsdon neighborhood. After its closing, the school had many alumnus events where hundreds gathered to reminisce of their times at the school, the generations ranging from the baby boomers to millennials, all wanting to take one last look inside. Let's talk about the haunting. As I said before, I felt the energy of the campus long before I understood it. It always felt like I was being watched. And a kid like me, with a big imagination, I talked to it. At some point during my time there, I was an altar person. Yep, I was one of those kids who wore a white robe and would carry big heavy candles down the aisle with the priest at the beginning of Mass. I would stand next to the priest while he read the gospel on the podium. I rang the bells during the Eucharist. Hell, I handled the wine and the Eucharist. In all honesty, there was an annual Six Flag trip in it for me, so I probably signed my ticket to hell at the ripe age of nine. Recalling the energy in the back room of that church, though, I remember behind the altar there being two rooms on both the left and the right side, connected by a hallway. Much of the time we were alone in those rooms, and on weekdays that I was assigned to the morning mass, I was completely alone. That feeling, the energy was so powerful, I would pace back and forth, a faint smell of smoke in the air, which many attributed to our new pastor who no one had ever even seen smoke, but we all assumed he did because of the smell. The silence, so loud and buzzing, the presence, I wasn't the only one that felt it, but most everyone would make a joke of it, chalk it up to old Father Leckard. The rumors of Father Leckard began to spread in my generation after our pastor at the time retired and he too passed away of a heart attack a few weeks later. It was a complete shock to the adults and children alike. Many students, whose parents and grandparents had attended the school and parish, then told their kids the story of Father Leckert, which then spread like wildfire throughout the student body. I remember myself having conversations with some of the after-school moms, who told the stories of Father Leckert, one of them offered up a ghost story. She told me that as a young student, she wandered into what is now Father Leckard Hall. It was dark and empty, but suddenly before her appeared a sea of students all facing the same way, and at the front was Father Leckard speaking to them. She told me she didn't know what to do. She simply ran away. According to Richard Crow, the spirit of Father Leckard appeared almost immediately. By the early 70s, it was commonly known amongst the students that the campus was haunted. 
In the beginning, most of the early reportings were from the altar boys, who claimed when all the lights in the church were off, they would see a priest walking down the aisle with an unusual lock and wearing a red beretta. Back in the day, high-ranking clergymen wore red square hats with tassels, and Father Leckard, many years before his passing, had suffered a stroke, which resulted in his limp. These are things the boys couldn't have possibly known, as they had never known the priest. Also a common reporting, the smell of cigarette smoke. Father Leckard was a very heavy smoker, and while no one was allowed to smoke inside of the church, he did, and the smell followed him everywhere. Again, we all smelled it and thought it was one of our pastors. Turns out, it was, in a sense. The apparition of the pastor is often seen in different locations on the campus. The grounds, the school, the rectory. All accounts say that he usually appears preoccupied, in hard concentration and in inspecting the buildings and foundation. Something he was known to do, as again he had hands in every single part of the parish's operation, and that included maintenance. By the tabernacle, behind the altar, a shadow figure is often seen, and there have been many reportings of the organ being heard playing at night, even though the church is pitch black inside. I'm not even sure he played. This could actually be someone or something else. Some former students have claimed to have witnessed doors opening and closing on their own inside the school, while some residents have attested to the eerie vibes from the outside. My personal experience slash capture, if you will, happened on my very last day at the school in 2004. The last day of school at St. Trivia's usually consisted of cleaning, wearing our gym uniform, which was always a relief for the girls since wearing a skirt every day sucked. It was really just a time to kick back and let the day pass before it was time to leave for the summer. I brought my camera with me as it was my last day ever and I would not be returning that fall. I remember taking various photos of my classmates and in one particular group photo, I caught the most peculiar apparition in the background. Our school logo at the time consisted of a white dove with a branch in its mouth, its wings spread and facing upwards to the right as if taking flight. It would be years until I noticed it, but behind the group of my classmates, in a white, transparent, almost cloud-like texture, was the shape of a dove with its wings spread as if taking flight upwards to the right. If I wasn't already a believer in spirits, energies, angels, demons, God and otherwise, it would have made me a believer right then. It was my first true capture of a paranormal entity. I have since gone on to capture many more and embrace the things I see and feel. No, I don't claim to be gifted by any means, but I remain open to the experiences. It reminds me that there's more for us than this life. Not all hauntings are evil or scary. Some are just 
moments in time, frozen, repeating themselves over and over again in the same spots, while the rest of life moves on. Such is the case here. This was a beloved man and priest who loved his job, his congregation, his students, who, simply put, wasn't ready to leave it all and didn't know a life outside of it. In a way, it would seem that his presence, still being there, watching over everything, still doing his job, allowed for the parish to continue to prosper. Not much has changed about the old buildings since his departure. The love and empathy is still very present, with every pastor and priest who comes and goes. Its reputation is still upheld, its mission still going strong. Standing on that corner on 57th and Karlov, the feeling is still the same. Nothing has changed. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening, and if it's on Apple, kindly leave us a rate and review as it's a huge help to us and we'd greatly appreciate it. We post episodes every Monday. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find our Twitter handle at WTTNP, and our Facebook and Instagram can be found with the handle at WTTNPodcast. We'd also love to hear your stories. If you've had a ghostly encounter you'd like to share with us, email us a voice recording at Welcome to the neighborhood pod at gmail.com or send it to us through DM. If you'd prefer to type it instead of recording yourself, that's fine too. We're going to be taking a little holiday break, so we'll be back in 2021. Look out for us on January 11th. Everyone, have a wonderful, smart, and safe holiday. Thanks for stopping by.